Welcome to this conversation between Stephen Gribben, the CEO and founder of CoachPro, and me, Warren Hammond. Here's a quick snippet of what to expect. For most of us, the challenge these days going forward is not our capability, it's our capacity. Challenge is not how well we're actually doing things. Our challenge is can we create the space to do it as well as we can, which is why this becomes so valuable because this will increase your capacity. And at times you're doing this and times you're not doing this, but as a common theme on this, you're going to be more conscious of your opportunity to do this really well and take ownership of that rather than allowing circumstances or I hope today or tomorrow is better, so therefore I can do things the the way I want to do them. This is about taking ownership of that, self-determination of your day, self-determination of your time, to ensure that you're getting the, the optimal value out of what you're putting your time into. Welcome back, podcasts. Well, here we are, episode 25. And I had a hard time trying to name this one, because it touches on everything, well, not everything, but so many vital things. That I found it impossible to pick one out. I've gone for capacity in the end, but I guarantee that you will take at least one other thing from this and make it your own. There's time management, sort of an entrepreneurial way of looking at time management. There's managing your week for value and impact. There's increasing your motivation and energy levels. There's successful delegation. Is how to increase your overall capacity and that of your team, creativity and confidence, and much, much more. I know, it sounds amazing. It was. I really enjoyed this one. This is something I wanted to talk about for a while. So, let's not wait. Your time is important. Drop me a line and tell me what you think I should have called it. You know the email address, podcast at coachpro.online. Or send me a note on LinkedIn. I'll talk to you again at the end. Here comes the cheesy music. Enjoy. So today is a good topic. One that I know that lots of people ask about in different ways. And this is capacity is one way of looking at it. Or efficiency or efficacy. But lots of people say is how can I do more with my time? And we discussed some of this before in Overwhelm, that it isn't about simple time management and to-do lists. But I think today we're going to go into it even at sort of a higher level. So increasing our capacity, what's the basic starting point that we have for this then, Stephen? Well, this is really about realising the value and maximising the value of time, not just the, the quantity of time that we have for things, or the quality of time in terms of what we choose to prioritise, but making sure that we're getting the optimal value of time. It's that you know situation where everyone says, well, we've all got the same 24 hours in the day to do stuff. So why do certain people seem to achieve more, get more out of that time, where there's other times we feel we're just sort of grinding it out and getting through it? Agree. So that's it. So some of these like time management systems, it's you know how to steal an extra five minutes, how to improve your email system so you get back 34 minutes every day. This is way more than that. Then this isn't about trying to steal minutes from your lunch break. Yeah, look, t- time management is a really, really good thing. And time management is about the quantity of time. It's how do you fit 24 hours worth of stuff into a 24-hour day that's most efficient. Beyond time management, people then move into a thing called priority management. And that's how do you take 124 hours of stuff in a day and make sure that the most important 24 hours worth of stuff is focused on and the 100 worth of hours is not getting done as a distraction. This is the level above that because this is about the value and impact that what you spend your time on does. So this is more of an entrepreneurial time system and um, where you're not measured by activity, you're measured by value and impact. Love it. Okay. This sounds this sounds definitely worth spending time on them. Okay. So this is a way of improving the value and the impact of the, the time we have. 
So how do we start then? Where's the starting point for this? There's always a starting point. What's Is there a model we should be looking at or what, what's the first question we ask ourselves? Starting point is to really know, you know, first of all, to make sure we understand what the benefits we're expecting to get out of this. And what you will get out of this is a greater sense of energy, control, self-awareness, focus, allocation of your time and your effort into things. But as you said at the start of this, greater capacity. For most of us, the challenge these days going forward is not our capability, it's our capacity. The challenge is not how well we're actually doing things. Our challenge is can we create the space to do it as well as we can, which is why this becomes so valuable because this will increase your capacity. And at times you're doing this and times you're not doing this, but as a common theme on this, you're going to be more conscious of your opportunity to do this really well and take ownership of that rather than allowing circumstances or I hope today or tomorrow is better so therefore I can do things the the way I want to do them. This is about taking ownership of that, self-determination of your day, self-determination of your time to ensure that you're getting the, the optimal value out of what you're putting your time into. Love it. I love that that idea is that you you've said as well is that of doing this well it gives you back energy and control because so many different systems it seems to be how to get every last drop of energy from yourself to get the job done you know so you go to bed exhausted and 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 finished and you know how to survive on you know how to get your 5 hours of sleep better quality sleep but this isn't it. You're saying, no, this isn't about squeezing every single last drop of energy out of you. If you do this well, you'll actually, it will feed you with energy. Yeah, you can generate your own energy on this. And what you're going to get on this is an understanding of those days where you're buzzing with energy, those days where you're just flying, you just feel everything's going and flow with you and things, are, and you just get bags of energy and enthusiasm and focus and concentration and everything. And yet there's other times where you're just flat and dull and in a fog. And this isn't about, as you're saying, waking up in the morning and you know gradually pouring the water out of your glass over the day and trying to time it so that there's a little bit left. But this is actually about taking more ownership of that of where you expend your energy, where you invest it so that you're looking to get something back and other bits where you will just be pouring it out but managing that better, more consciously, so that you get to determine the days, you get to determine your energy, you get more influence on your capacity to do things really well. Love that. You're right, because we've all had those days, isn't it, where you've been as busy as you like and you seem to have more energy at the end of the week than you did at the beginning of the week. And then there's other times where every morning seems to have lasted a week. And this is about understanding why you felt like this some weeks and why you didn't other weeks. And as soon as you understand it, then you can start to to manage it is what you're mm. saying. Great. Okay. This is good. It's Friday morning. I'm not as energetic as I should have done. I'm going to have to start doing this from whenever this meeting finishes. All right, let's get going. So there is a model and it's a four box model. And this is the four boxes of, of where your work is put into your time. So you've got two boxes above the line and two boxes below the line. So in the bottom right-hand box, which is below the line, is labelled incompetent. The box in the bottom left, still below the line, but on the left-hand side is labelled competent. So the bottom two are competent and incompetent, right? And they're both below an energy line. Above that line in the top left-hand corner is labelled excellence. And at the top right box, it's labelled unique ability. Okay. And the line which is running through the middle then is the energy line. So above it is excellence and unique ability. Below the energy line is competent and incompetent. Okay. So below that line is a negative and above that line is a positive. So to define first of all what each of these boxes means. So if we take incompetent, so the bottom right-hand box, incompetent, This is not the things that you're incompetent at. These are the things that it's now an incompetent use of your time. Okay. Well, that's because originally I was thinking, well, there's 
there's an easy one. Get rid of everything I'm rubbish at. I mean, that would be half my day. We'll be freed up straight away. But that's not what it is then. It's the things that are an incompetent use of your time rather than incompetent at. So these are going to be things that you probably know how to do pretty comfortably. You've probably been doing these things for quite some time. You can almost do it without thinking with your eyes closed, one hand behind your back. You've been doing it for so long. It's just something that needs to be done. It takes up your time. It takes up headspace. It takes up energy and resource. The reason why it's incompetent is it gives you nothing back. Yeah, there's loads of those. And that's why it's an incompetent use of your time. It just takes. When we go into the bottom left box, which is the competent box, and this is not something that you're competent at, this is what is a competent use of your time to do. So again, these things are likely to be things you've been doing for a while, things you know how to do for some time. You're not looking to do any better, quicker, faster, differently. It takes up time, headspace, resource, energy. But rather than it giving you nothing back, it gives you something back. And the something that it gives you back is satisfaction. Just satisfaction that it's done. Okay. So if we're incompetent, gives you nothing back. Competence at least gives you satisfaction. But it's still below that energy line because it's still taking more from you than it gives you back. Although it is giving you back something. You're just kind of glad to see the back of it. Satisfied that it's done. At least until next month. So... I mean, an example of an incompetent use of, of someone's time then is what? Something which just gives you no pleasure or something which, because you talk, use the word satisfied. So I do it. I know it needs to be done. I do it begrudgingly, but I don't, I, when, it, when, when I finished it, I don't go, woohoo, that's done. I mean, would that be something as, as, if I have to, you know, do certain household chores, you know, I know I have to do them, but it gives me no satisfaction getting them done. Is it, that fit, would that fit into that or? It could. And the reason why I'm saying it could rather than it does, and we'll touch on this when we go through this model a bit more, is that some of these things can, you can move them from box to box, depending on how you do them or why you're doing them. So, what I don't want to do is label this chore or this task always sits in incompetence. It will sit in your incompetence box if you're getting nothing back from it. It will sit and sit in your competent box if at least it's giving you a degree of satisfaction. At least I did it well. At least I did it on time. At least I don't need to do it until tomorrow or next week or next month or next quarter. Yeah, you said then already um I can see where this is going. So you get the opportunity to reframe tasks or chores sometime. Okay, let's go to the rest of the model then. All right. It's already getting more, more interesting and complex and we haven't even got going yet. Right. So when you go into excellence, an excellent use of your time may or may not be something you've done before. It may be something you know how to do and you've been doing it for a while, but you're looking to do it better, quicker, faster. Or it may be something that you're actually learning how to do. It's something newer and fresh. Now, it still takes up your time, your energy, headspace, resource. But what it does is it, it, it doesn't give you back nothing. It doesn't just give you back satisfaction. It gives you back a sense of achievement. And that sense of achievement means that it's giving you more than it's taken out of you. And that's why it sits above the line. Love it. So there's a, that feeling of achievement then. That's, that of course, that automatically there's all the, you know, the physiological and psychological feelings, there's confidence, there's dopamine, there's all these great things. Okay, so if an excellent use of my time then is something I'm doing, which, as you said, maybe is stretching me or I get some joy or satisfaction, a, a greater sense of than satisfaction then? Yeah, it's a sense of achievement. I've achieved something. That might be because you've learned something or done it differently or better, um, but you get that sense of achievement, not just satisfaction that it's done, but achievement in doing something. When you then move into unique ability, if you consider that excellence is wrapped around the result, so the outcome, you get that sense of achievement. 
things that are in unique ability are the things, the energy and the excitement and everything is not just in the outcome. It's actually on the journey. It's something you actually just love doing. It's something that you love the process. You love the experience of it. It has your passion. It has an interest. It has something that even in the working through it, there is energy that comes from it. The energy isn't all just wrapped up in the outcome. Wow. Yes. This is a real passion then, is is that, that passion for it all. We've all had something like that sometimes that we get. Okay, so this isn't only about achieving results. This is just enjoying being as part of this whole story, this whole process, whatever it is. Yeah, just I just love doing that stuff. I absolutely love doing that stuff. And you really want to have that sense of achievement with it as well. But it's more than just achievement. You actually get a thrill doing it. Like that. I'm just trying to stop myself coming up with, is this or what is that? Or is this an example? Because I know you would go through this properly, but yeah. But unique ability then isn't a higher level of excellence. This is something different, isn't it then? That's one thing. This could be a hobby, for example. This is something you enjoy doing and I may enjoy whittling. It doesn't mean I'm the best whistle maker in the whole of the world. It's just something I get genuine enjoyment from. Yeah, you get a thrill from, and that thrill might be the learning of something brand new that you never thought you'd be able to do, and you can watch yourself grow, and there's a thrill in that. It could also be something that, just for you, it's when you get to be you. It just seems to be the thing that comes naturally to you that you can just really, really enjoy, that it just it's almost a subconscious thing for you, but you just love being there, you love doing it, it connects you with your confidence, your identity, all those things, it's nourishing for you. It it still takes up time, energy, headspace, resource, but it gives you so much back. That's why it's so much above the line because that's your optimal. It's tapping into what are your unique abilities and it's unique to you rather than it being unique and no one else can do it. It's the unique thrill that it does for you. It's a personalised thing for you. So it's not that you're the only person in the world who can do it. No, this the feeling you yourself get, it doesn't need to be shared by everyone else. It's it's personal to you. All right, yeah. Wow, that way you've described it. You, you need to spend all your time above the line. I mean, if you're pa- you know, if you're passionate and you're having fun with this and this is something you love and it's and it's you, and then there's a, the excellence, which is you know, achievement, easy. Well, we've always looked at the the operational, the management, the strategic level, the sort of, you know, and and that operational level, just as we've sort of walked our way around uh, this model, and the first thing that's really, really good and, and for people to do as a basic start is to actually draw that grid out and list the things they're currently doing and where they would place them. Love that. And it will give you an instant picture of where you are in terms of your energy and what you're doing with your time to help manage and increase that energy and generate energy. Fantastic. That's a great thing. This is sort of like an, you know, an audit of your week or your day or your month and just see where is, as you said, all of these are going to require headspace and time and energy, but it's this is what returns you get on that headspace, time and energy. Is it, but yeah, okay. And so an operational level, by looking at this, you will be able to then be more conscious of where you're allocating, allocating all your time, effort, energy, efforts, and why sometimes you feel better than others. Sometimes you feel flat. Sometimes you feel quite energised. Why certain days and certain times of the day you seem to feel differently. So at an operational level, it's about becoming more aware. You're already doing this. You're already doing these things. But what you're going to become more aware of is the impact that it has and the value that you're either getting or missing out on. So you said this is that 24 hours in a way. So some weeks you're having great weeks, some weeks not so good. Maybe you didn't understand that the week where everything was going brilliantly is you actually had a lot of stuff above the line. Now. If you didn't know the model, 
you were lucky maybe, you weren't doing this on purpose, but that was the difference. If you go back and look at those weeks, you'll notice that you had more stuff above the line than below the line. It helps make sense. You know, I, I work with some people who, to begin with, their interpretation is that they have mood swings or they have energy swings or they're feeling things are up on, up and down or they feel they can't sustain that buzz or they just feel that, that it's been so long since they've had a buzz of things, maybe it's just not there anymore. And and it's almost as if all they're describing is happening to them, as opposed to taking more ownership of that and saying, right, what do I do with this? I've got the same 24 hours as everybody else. So what am I doing? It Where am I putting my time and energy and effort to ensure that I'm more above the line than below the line? So at an operational level, you're going to get the awareness of this. At a management level, the basics of this is you can then look to manage to be above the line more than below the line. What tends to happen is that people will start their day with the incompetent stuff to get out of the road, <laughs> to get out of the way, yeah. clear the decks. You know, there's the there's a saying of eat the, eating the frog which if, you, if you've got a beautiful meal to have, but you've also got to eat a frog, which one do you do first? Most people eat the frog to get it out of the way. But sometimes your days and weeks and months are just frogs because you're dealing with the incompetent stuff so much that by the time you get through even the competent stuff, you've run out of time. And then you don't get to the excellent use of your time or tap into unique abilities for days or weeks or months or even years. Yeah. That's bizarre, isn't it? Because your starting point is always there. Now, on that basis, it would be maybe oversimplistic, but maybe not too ridiculous to say, well, why not start your day with your unique ability stuff? And at least if you run out of time, you're not going into the competent and incompetent. But management is about making ensure that you're doing what needs to be done in a way that it's sustainable and sincere and authentic and genuine that you can do this over a long period of time and creating the right balance of things for you. But certainly the more you can spend above the line, you'll get more energy. And the more you spend below the line, the less energy you're going to have. I think people have different ways, don't they? You get those people who naturally would gravitate towards the the passion, the unique ability, the passion of that, and people who gravitate towards the, you know, the miserable, you know, soul-destroying work. And this, it almost feels kind of like a stereotypical religious way of doing it. You know, I'll do the hard work. I'll keep my head down. You know, I'm not looking for pleasure. I'm just, I'm just doing it because it needs to be done. But whichever one you're at, even if you can improve this by 10, 20, 30% using this model, that's going to make an incredible difference to the quality of your of your day and your week. Yeah, and look, um, balance is really important. You're looking for these four elements uh, to be managed optimally, not to try and just live in one or two of those boxes. You know, and, and at times, I know I feel this myself, at times when I'm spending too much time in the incompetent and competent, I need a break. I need some energy. And I'll take time out and I'll just go and do something I really, I'm passionate about that I love doing and because I'm not doing this properly I then feel a bit guilty or a bit anxious or a bit worried because there's other bits I know need to get done and so all I'm doing is you know looking at stuff and saying I hate doing that and looking at stuff and saying I love doing that rather than understanding that they've all got a part to play it's down for me it's up to me to take ownership of managing that optimally because there's some incompetent Stuff and, and that stuff that's in that incompetent box that still need to get done. Exactly. I got to eat the runner beans before I get to the steak, you know. And I, <laughs> well, they've got the part to play, and we can look at how to maneuver through this. But the operational level has been more aware that our four quadrants of time and how we put things in is really important, and just being aware that that will have an almost immediate effect on our energy. Either it's going to give us energy, it's going to take all our energy. The management level is to make sure that 
we are spending more time above the line than below the line. It's not to say you're exclusively above the line. There's always some stuff that needs to get done, and I'll explain why there's always stuff there. But management level, it's trying to stay above the line more than below, but at least not panicking, at least managing your emotions, that if it's if you're just going through that stuff, that you can understand, so I'm going to feel like this. That's okay. That's it. You know it's not forever. This is a period of time and you can see your way out of it because you can see what it is you're wading through yeah okay and and equally i've experienced this myself and through people i've worked with who are above the line and buzzing and almost saying but this this won't last you know there's there's obviously something i'm missing (laughs) and they don't get to enjoy it because they're not in control over it yeah so they just feel it's going to end at some point they just don't know when so that, this is about managing your journey through all this with having this greater sense of awareness and ownership. When we then get to a strategic level, and this is you really taking control and self-determining this value of your time, it's how do we ensure that we are spending more and more time above the line than below? So not just being aware of how much and moderating it, but having a strategy to get as many things above the line as we possibly can. So that list of things that you have an incompetent and incompetent use of your time, how do we get that above the line? And there are two scenarios that we have here. First of all, if you do not have resource in in, in terms of if you don't have a team, if you don't have people around about you, or you don't have friends or colleagues round about you, or family members round about you, either you don't have them, or to be honest, you don't trust them enough to take some of these things. So either they're not there, or the people you have there, you wouldn't trust with it yet. Then you have an option of how do you bring the incompetent and competent stuff above the line? Because you can't just let it go. It still needs to be done. And you've decided it's going to be you that's going to have to do it because you either don't have people or you don't trust the ones you have, which is fine for now. You have three levers. You have the what, you have the why, and you have the how. First of all, you can look at the things on those two lists, on the competent and incompetent, and say, is what I'm doing what I need to be doing? Or am I doing it because I've always just done it? So this is for the for the bottom two then? Yes. So does it need to be done or, yes. and does it need to be done by me? You've already decided that it's got to be done by you if it has to be done. Okay. But you can challenge this, first of all, on the what. Is there something else I could be doing instead? Is there an alternative to what I'm doing? So you can pull the lever on the what and change the what you're doing. So no longer do this, I now do that. But for the same outcome? It's like, can I do this a different way? Okay, yeah, okay, again. So the thing needs to be done. The way I'm doing it is the way I'm doing it, the best way to get you. Okay. So you want to keep fit and you're currently running and it's no longer working for you, then you can change the walk by going to the gym. Yeah, yeah. Or vice versa. So you can change the walk. The second lever you have is you can change the why and give yourself a bigger sense of why. Because if you change the what you're doing, it then moves it from incompetent and competent where you might just get satisfaction because you're then changing it to something new. You'll get a sense of achievement. So what you're doing is you're bringing it above the line. If you're changing the why or increasing the why or amplifying the why, giving yourself a bigger reason to do it, either by understanding more of the the reasons why you're doing what you're doing or creating more reasons why what you're doing by putting in a bigger picture, so if you no longer get it out of running because all you're doing is running and the why has become, well, you did it last week and you're sort of scared to stop. Well, if you sign up for a race or you set yourself some new targets or you do it more as a social thing to join a running club or the why you're doing it becomes bigger, then it moves it from being incompetent and competent up into excellence because you get a sense of achievement. That's great. So what you're saying, so you continue doing the same thing, but because you've reframed it, it now goes from energy sapping into energy giving. And this is literally just sitting down and 
reframing this to link to something bigger, different, better. Wow. Okay. You reframe that you've redefined why you're doing it. You've given yourself a bigger reason. Therefore, there's more motivation, more sense of achievement. Because your original thinking when you describe it is just cross off the bottom two boxes. And you're saying you can't, unfortunately, you can't cross them off. So it's how do you almost make these energy giving instead of energy sapping? So, all right. So do them different ways or link it to a bigger, a bigger reason, a bigger why. Okay. And the third lever you have is in how you're doing it. So if you continue with the running analogy, um, you're running, it's no longer doing it for you. Well, how you run. So that might be the the distance you run, the speed you run. It might be where you run. It may be with whom that you run. It may be when you run. Just changing the how. Change it up. Change it around. Yeah. Yeah. You know, going from street running to machine running or vice versa. But changing the how and that allows you then because you're refreshing that redefining reframing again you then get that sense of achievement yeah there's interesting there's an energy there's yeah you just yeah, just basic freshening up makes so much sense it's a uh, well you learn to love it again and we've all done this in different things don't you? like you said there's the there's the energy there's running and exercise and we've all done this a hundred times i'm sure of falling on and off wagons all over the place and you're right. And that's one of the things, you know, mix it up, change it up, make it social, different goals, different targets. But it's great. The, the link you make between simple things like changing it up to energy sapping and energy giving. I mean, when you say it, it's so obvious, which is why these models are great. It's like, yeah, I, I know this. You know, And that's what's great, I guess, about the operation management and strategic levels is when it's pointed out to you, you go, I kind of know this which is great yeah there's nothing in this that you don't already know that's why it's self-development it's connecting with what you do know and then applying it and reapplying it redefining it and we've been doing this all our days because these things move what this is about what self-development is about taking ownership of where you want to move it to otherwise it moves by itself there's things that at some point were an absolute thrill for doing and you would get you would be in that unique ability box. It was just a thrill. If I relate this to when I first went into business and I had to do my expenses, <laughs> and that was an absolute thrill to begin with. <laughs> because if I had expenses, it meant I had a business, I had, I had clients. So I had an absolute thrill to begin. It didn't last long, but there was a thrill in saying, I've got my expenses to do, I'm running a business. Yes. Quite quickly, it drifted into then just excellence, where there was a sense of achievement and um, getting my uh, expenses done on time. So I didn't have three months worth of paperwork and receipts to go through. I'm trying to remember where that was from. But there was a sense of achievement of doing it on time, doing it really accurately, doing it in order, getting it to tally up properly and everything else, and eventually trying to reduce these things and all that. It then sort of fell into competence. I was just satisfied that that was my expenses done and out of the way until next month. And I would hopefully not have to think about them or do anything until next month. And then it really just went into the dark hole of being an incompetence. I got nothing out of it. And it would take the accountant saying, I'm still waiting on those expenses. So things move all by themselves. What I was able to do with the expenses was to helpfully remove, move that into another place. Even the small things of a different colours on a spreadsheet at least was a freshening up for a, for a small amount of time. But these things move. The first deal that you ever do is an absolute thrill. Then your next few deals then are about achievement. Then you're kind of satisfied you're hitting your number. Then to the point, if, if you don't manage this, Everything you do will eventually gravity will pull it down. Familiarity will bring it down. And unfortunately, what most people do is when things arrive in the competent and incompetent box that used to be a thrill, that used to be a passionate love for something, that once it arrives in those two boxes, too many people too quickly then say, well, that's done. I just don't do that anymore. And yeah, I used to do that. But yeah, I fell out of love with it. Together. And there might be some stuff that you rub out, you allow, you delete, you you allow it just to drift, and it's a part of your past. 
But you should be deciding whether it is and when that happens, not just allowing it to weather. One of the key points that you, that you sort of said is that because when you sort of describe it, your initial my initial response is, well, of course, you just del- you know this is going to be simple. We just delete everything below the line. But you're saying you can't. These things still need to be done. In your example, expenses still need to be filed. It still needs to be done. So you don't get that choice to say no. But that is also some of the things that you do allow allow it to just disappear when maybe it doesn't need to, just because it doesn't give you that thrill or it doesn't give you that sense of achievement anymore, and therefore it's drifted into satisfaction. The amount of people who don't exercise or cook or socialise as much because it isn't what it used to be, and they allow those things, those pleasures, those things that gave them energy for years and years and years, they just disconnect from them completely because the way they've got them positioned isn't working for them anymore. Now, before you let it go, at least you can make a conscious decision of, I know how to re-energise this, do I want to? Yeah, that's great. If you don't have resource or you don't have the people round about or you do have the people but you don't necessarily trust or want uh, to give it to them, then those are the three levers. There's the what, there's the why, and there's the how that can help bring that activity that use of your time above the line. Back above the line. Great. Okay. And then I'm guessing the the counterpoint then, but if you do have the opportunity to shift some of this stuff across to somebody else, it kind of feels a bit a bit mean. Here's my boring expenses, to use your example. Lucky you, you get to do it. But I'm guessing it's, it's not going to be as simple as that. Well, it's... You can, and some people do, <laughs> uh, and they just dump things on others. Yeah. And some of them dump them with a stated warning, you're going to hate doing this, but I need you to do it. <laughs> and you're going to learn to hate this as much as I do. You're now going to understand why I've hated doing this for a long time and why I've not been a, a nice person when doing this. But it's it's part of your birthright, it's part of your pathway through this. You know, you've got to learn to hate some things, you know, and that is just a sapping thing. If you do have people, either they're in your team or they're in your business or they're in your community or they're in your family or they're in your network, and we always do have people. And one of the key things on this is that most of us don't want to dump on other people. If I don't get any achievement or thrill out of doing this, I'm actually less likely to want to give that to someone else and do that to someone else because we think we're doing it to people rather than doing it for them. Yeah, you're right. I mean, even just like the, the we just said right there, it, it wouldn't feel fair to, you know, I'm thinking of like a plate of food with the four things in front of it. If I sort of say, lucky you, you get to eat my run of beans now, that doesn't feel like the, you know, you'd feel that you'd need to give them some of the good stuff as well. And this is where we look at the two things that, in your incompetent use of your time box and in your competent use of your time box. Yes. So and that's the key. It's your is your view of this. Yes. But what we want to do is give them away. Yeah. So that then we can spend more time above our line doing things of achievement and things that we get a thrill. For. All the good stuff. So because then that's 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 where we really want to be. So what we what we need to do with the incompetent stuff is delegate. But we delegate it to people who will get a sense of achievement out of doing it. So that we're giving it to them that it takes them above their line. So they've got something to learn, something to explore, something to do better, quicker, faster, something that they will get that sense of achievement out of. So I, I, I work a lot in the recruitment industry. And recruiters will say, oh, I don't want to do this research anymore. And yet they've got people in their team who would get a great achievement out of doing research. And therefore, that's something to delegate. This is so good. I mean, because this is it, isn't it? I mean, you achieve stuff by engaging with the capacity of others. Everyone's got their own energy line. Everyone's got their own version of it. And you're dead all right if the... You know, President of the United States had an incompetent use of their time. That could be an incredible use of of, of your own time, that task or job or, or that was being given to you. Giving away the incompetent stuff feels actually quite a, a mean thing to do. 
actually think about it a bit longer. Actually, it could be a great thing to do if you're giving it. To it the can right be. Person. But if the way that you're giving it is passing your incom- what's incompetent use of your time, so it's a black hole of your energy, giving it to someone else, it's going to be a black hole in their energy too. Then all you're doing is passing that negative energy onto someone else. Yeah, it's delegating it to someone for them. That would be a sense of achievement. It might even be a thrill. It might be something that they find a passion for. But it's something that then strategically what you're doing is taking something that's a that's a negative drain on that energy and capacity and getting it repositioned through someone else to being a positive. Oh, that's fantastic. I mean, what so that's what a win-win that is. You know, you take an energy sapper from you and you give it to somebody else who actually increases their energy. Happy days. And the same goes for the competent stuff that only you're only getting some satisfaction out that it's done as you also need to give that away. And you give that away also to someone who would get a sense of achievement out of it. But whereas the incompetent stuff you delegate, the competent stuff you appoint. So the difference between delegate and appoint then. So what would be the difference in this? In this? Okay. If you imagine delegation is like a form, it's like a cloud, it's like a formless piece of gas. It's you delegate something that just needs to be done by someone. Who have we got? Who could do this in a way that they would get a sense of achievement out of? But it's just something that needs to be done by somebody. It's a non-specific approach. That's what delegation looks like. By contrast, appointment, as the word would suggest, is to a point. Very specific. So this is about saying, look, this is I want there's a specific thing that needs to be done to a very specific standard and a specific outcome. And I specifically want you to be doing this because of your specific skill set. And I want you to see this specifically as an opportunity to shine in these areas. Why would you delegate the incompetent and appoint? I mean, both of them seem good. I can see that you give these tasks to somebody that's in your team or, or a colleague or or to a more junior team member. But why do you make the distinction between appoint and delegate for competent and incompetent? The, the stuff that's fallen into the incompetent box is probably less important in terms of standard and process. Just needs to be done. Just needs to be completed. We just need someone who can do that. You know, whether they, they fold the papers in this, in this shape or that shape, the papers need folded. When you go into stuff that's a competent, so you've got satisfaction associated with it, that satisfaction means that it's done in a certain way, to, maybe in a certain time, uh, to a certain standard or a certain level of accuracy. Therefore, you're still invested. Yeah, I was going to say, you still care how it's, and, and how it's done. Yeah, so that makes sense. How it's done is why you appoint. Because what most people tend to have is they have delegation or I'll do it myself. And they don't have that bit in the middle, which is appointment. And therefore, the reason why they will not delegate some things and hold on to it then as a consequence is because they still want to have control over the how it's done. And because in delegation, you can't really control that, you end up not delegating it and you end up doing it yourself. Whereas there's this option there to appoint so that you can still specify the how it's done. And the appointment then is just being really clear about your expectations to avoid future disappointment and resentment then. Get that. Okay. Because people will say, it's not that it's not that I don't want to delegate. I can't. They just won't know how to do it. It's not fair to delegate because they won't know the standards. They won't get it. They won't be able to do it quick enough. They're not quite ready. So this is a, a, a really strong middle ground then. So this isn't more micromanagement. This is just being much more clear about what the outcome needs to be and look like. And the process by getting it, you, you can appoint to that level of specificity. This is exactly how I want you to do it. This is what I want to see has been done. I want you to show me your workings, not just tell me that's completed. I exactly want it to be done this way. This is your chance to shine. This is your chance to prove. So you're emphasising the level of achievement. It's not just something to be completed. 
and something to demonstrate how well you can complete something. And I want you to succeed. So from your side, then, you've got these two boxes, which are the energy sappers, which is the incompetent use of your time and an okay use, a competent use of your time. That's fine. But they still take the energy away. You delegate one. If you do this in the right way, it's actually going to be an excellent or unique ability use of someone else's time. So that's good. And the appoint, that would also do it then. So that strong sense of what the outcome needs to be, you're almost appealing to their energy. They're going to feel that this is an excellent use of their time or or they're actually going to enjoy the whole process of it as well. Your appointment positions that as something to be achieved, not just something to be done. So, it, so it's not just be satisfied that they completed it. It's to be done to a standard. There's a certain level of achievement. So there's a pass or fail. Agree. This is your test and task. I was thinking just what we've talked about before. Yeah, love this. That point, that's a really strong managerial tool to have in your locker then. And and I think you're right. I think it is so easy sometimes to skip from one to the other. And I know that. And and managerial and leadership, and not just in business terms, you know, try bringing up kids, try try dealing with siblings (laughs) in a way that's non-specific and vague, and then just fingers crossed it's all going to work out well. They're homeschooling, telling you. I mean, that's exactly, this is what you're learning, the difference between being the teacher day-to-day and the hour-to-hour in the classroom. It's much more, yeah, being super clear about what every hour needs to look like rather than being, you know, the parent at home. Yeah, and look, you know, and and two boys have got a lot older, but they'll still be my boys. You have to, you can't make certain decisions for them. They have to make their own decisions. But rather than having those sort of kind of circular conversations which fall into the incompetent where both of us feel bad, it's helping moving it along to what would be a competent use and appointing certain things for them to do as opposed to just delegating and hope that they get it and then having to step in and say, I need to do that for you. It's really appointing them to do that and giving them, therefore, conditions for success, real things to look out for that maybe they don't yet have the experience to come up with that themselves. So by appointing, you're doing it for them, not doing it to them. You know, some people have said to me when I've been working with them on this, that appointing brings pressure. Well, if you feel you're doing it to them, it will. If you realise you're doing it for them, then you're empowering because you're also supporting them. Yeah, this is putting the guardrails in place. This is, you know, giving them some stepping stones. This is some help, some pointers, some... Love that. And you're not disappearing. What you will find is that thing that was a, an incom- a, a, a competent use of your time, you doing it, by appointing someone else, you then get that sense of achievement because you're doing it differently. If I go back to the, the expenses that I was doing, when it was an incompetent use of my time, the great thing was my oldest son at the time was looking to get a, a, some kind of job or income. And rather than that interfere with his studies or his football, I said, well, look, I've got a thing you might be interested in, which will give you the opportunity to understand how business works, mm-hmm. how okay. things get involved. You are good, aren't you? You are. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but what that did was, you know, within a short space of time, he was getting a sense of achievement in completing something that actually mattered yes. to us as a family and, and, and how things operated. I was then, first of all, getting a thrill because it was great to have that type of conversation with him at that age. Then it became, it was um, a sense of achievement because I could then see that he was through in the office actually doing stuff and it just looked great and it was and it was really good and it was really, really helpful. And importantly then, increase my capacity because that was a few hours a month that I didn't need to then I could then go and use elsewhere and and I genuinely felt that having appointed him on this he was then learning things and there's a sense of achievement to be honest the first time I did it I just delegated it and I just said could you do those and as long as they're done in this time and they're accurate and I said look this is how I do them and you'll find your way but you know as long as they're done then when they were due to be done and I looked in the office and he was not to be seen 
and then went through to the lounge and there he was sitting in front of uh, Sky Sports um, with all the spreadsheets and that in front of him and he's on his phone. And I said, look, what are you doing? And he said, no, I've worked out a different way of doing them. And I said, yeah, and that seems to involve watching Sky Sports at the same time. And he'd come up with a different way of doing it, um, which was interesting. However, it would create more chances of things being done in error. And so I realised I had delegated rather than appointing. And my initial reaction was to say, give me it back. But what I decided to do was move it into appointment and being more specific, which he then benefited from and got more confidence and sense of achievement. And it allowed me then to be more comfortable that delegating wasn't enough and my emotional reaction then just to take it back wouldn't have worked in, in terms of capacity. Learning to a point was a, as an important lesson for me as it was for him. Yeah, that's really strong. I feel there's so many times, and I've named, I know you know we've discussed before, I've made this mistake of almost feeling it's a weaker thing to a point. You know, you do this for the weaker members and and I've learned through mistakes and many of them. Actually, it's a really good thing to do. Letting somebody flounder sometimes in the de- in the delegation, and this is one of the comments we use, is when someone's let you down, is did, were they, you know, were they clear of what you're expecting from them? And the number of times the answer to that question is, I think so. The moment somebody says that to you, you go, well, you obviously weren't. And I think that's what's gorgeous about this, that, that appointment, the way you discuss it and they describe it, is it's really clear. This is what good performance, this is what this is what a good performance is going to look like. And then from that, you know, having somebody confident, you know, they may, they will improve it. They will come up with their own efficiencies, maybe, hopefully. But they need to do this from a confident position, don't they? And that appointment is so strong. And I know this is, I fall into the trap of worrying, am I micromanaging? Am I being too much of a helicopter parent or, or manager? No, it's it's actually a, a fair thing to do. It's a good thing to do to give people these these sort of expectations and benchmarks. Okay. And what you'll find as well is when you're on the receiving end of it and you fear that someone's maybe just delegating to you, which is maybe going to put it into your competence box rather than excellence because you don't know what you're supposed to achieve, but you do know what you're supposed to complete, is then you become more aware of that, of being able to say, specify. So what does that really look like? What do you want me, how do you want this to be done? What are you going to be measuring on this? What's success going to look like on this? And and what that does is it helps bring that specificity to then say, right, okay. And the reason why we don't ask for that is we just think, oh, you've asked me to do it, I better go and do it, rather than just specifying it. And that, that moves the value from delegation up to appointment. This is so good. So just looking at this already, you know, um, on the first sweep, can imagine if there's a team of you, and obviously I imagine most of the time we're in teams, and whether that's a family team or or a work team, the moment you become aware of this, you either get the opportunity to reframe some of these energy sapping ones or move them across to somebody then who gets energy from them. Then they look at their they're, they're uh, two by two and that they do the same and that they reframe some of the ones giving energy and they give, give to somebody else in the team. I mean, the difference this can make if all of you have suddenly got 20, 30, 40, 50, I don't know, you know, you know all of these different things that you're going to be feeling. I mean, it doesn't even need to improve how much work you get done. The buzz in the office the buzz in the team, the positivity that's going to come. And there's got to be benefits from all of this, just from everyone, yeah, being more confident, as you said, be feeling more in control, having more energy to take on more things, to be more creative, to think differently. I mean, this just, it almost looks like you just, you've done a magic trick in a way. You've taken all of the same pieces, but moved them around the board in a different way that it all just seems to sort of hum. But, but you can. And and we do, I do all the time, but we don't always do it positively. You know, you look at the person in the office who's struggling. They're not just struggling with workload, struggling with their energy and they're a bit flat and everything else. The first thing that people tend to do is say, let me take that off of you. 
And so then their energy doesn't change. There's just now a gap. And now they're doing two-thirds of their work and still feeling really low. And if you think of this at home and, you know, you've got people at home or people within your circle, you care for them, you love them, you see them struggling with something and there's that temptation to say, I'll take that off you. Don't worry, I'll take that from you. That doesn't move them. They just stay there. And now what you've got is you've got the burden of something that might just be an incompetent use of your time and it's dragging you down as well. And then they feel guilty. And then you get people who just go down this downward spiral and they are subconsciously, unconsciously moving things around. They're moving the thrills and they're moving the sense of achievement down and down and down. Or gravity is just pulling them down or familiarity is pulling them down or routine know when routine becomes a rut is when it goes from achievement down to just satisfaction then down to nothing yeah that's it this is you've got to actively deal with this and you do as you said before we you'll have done all of this almost by chance or if not by design now this this is the choice you can do these things by design you know you yeah i love that this is good this is strong you could use this in your team it's just it's incredible, isn't it? I mean, just by reframing, moving stuff around in your own head and around the team. So that literally, you could get all of the same things done with the same people there, but you've just improved their capacity. Yeah. And look, even for yourself, I've been doing what I do for 22 years now, and it beats working. <laughs> I'm very, very lucky, very privileged to get to do what I do, and I love what I do, and I'm passionate about it most of the time. Then there's other times, it's a sense of achievement. And some of the times I allow it to to become a job and it drifts into just satisfied. I've got through the day, got through the event, got through the sessions. That happens. And then other times I then get into that place saying, I've got very little left. I don't know if I can do this. And when I have sessions with people or with groups or teams or conferences or audiences, they're not looking for someone who's spent too much time below the line. Digging. And don't get me wrong, you can dig deep every now and again. I mean, you really have to. You can dig deep. But when you're digging deep, you know, it's not clear water you're pulling up all the time. When you're having to get down into that well and deeper and deeper and deeper, you know, it's not clear water at the bottom, that's for sure. So it's important that even the things that you love, you don't need to let them go just because you think you've fallen out of love with them. It's just sometimes the how you're doing it is reducing your capacity. And how can you then refresh that? How can you get fresh learning into it? Look at a new way, a different way, a bigger reason why, all those kind of stuff. Because if you're doing it for yourself, you will identify how to position it with others an awful lot better. But, you know, you, you can't go as an empty glass and, and see full glasses around about in other people. You know, you've got to fit your own oxygen mask first with this stuff. Do the work, go through the personal growth, then you'll identify and inspire others to do the same with credibility because they will see a difference in you. You will feel a difference in yourself. They will see a difference in you because you will just seem to have so much more energy, so much more capacity, so much more bandwidth to deal with everything that life throws at you and people will just sense that you love what you do. Yeah, love that. Do the work. Get your two by two. Stick it out. Incompetent use of your time. So it's not. I think that's the important thing. When you write down incompetent, you're automatically going to take it back to be a personal thing. It isn't. Incompetent use of your time. Competent excellence. Unique ability. Write down. Do the work. Have a look at what you've done in the last week. As you put those things, that's a great starting point. Love this. Thank you, Stephen. There we have it. I promised you there'd be a lot in this one, didn't I? I love the way that you can move tasks or delegate tasks, which don't give you energy to other people in such a way it gives them energy, that they're happy to do this. I also think it makes sense that once in a while that you do have a look at your routine and do sort of shake it up, re-energize it, get back your motivation. And link again, reconnect your purpose. I think there's so much in this. And at the start, I don't think I talked enough about the unique ability. I think this is great, isn't it? 
Imagine if you got to spend more of your time doing something which genuinely you felt passionate about, that you were good at. It wasn't just the result, it was the whole thing. I think this is why this is so powerful. The feeling of working on something you genuinely enjoy and get excited about, that will increase your confidence, it will increase your happiness, it will increase your motivation, it will increase your resilience. There's so many good things that come out of this. It's worth as a second listen to. So, have a look at your week. Do the quadrants and start splitting out. Where's your time going at the moment? This is transformative. Give it a go. Talk to you next week.